Thank you so much for that, brother. If y'all would turn with me to Luke chapter 15, where we'll find our text for this morning. Uh, this is a parable that is generally referred to as the parable of the prodigal son, but I would give you an alternate name for it this morning. I was pretty proud of this. Miss Jan knows. I'm not good at coming up with titles, but I like this uh, Not the parable of the prodigal son, but the parable of the pardoning father. That's what I want us to see today, is that in this text, there is a prodigal son. There is a son that goes and lives a prodigal, reckless life. But more than that, in this text, we see a pardoning, gracious, loving, forgiving father. And I think that is a point that we need to be well aware of this morning as we look in this text together. If you would, look with me beginning in verse 11. We'll begin reading there. Luke 15, 11 says, as Jesus is speaking, And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So here we, we see our introduction into this parable. We see what's going on. We're looking at a father. We're looking at a family. We know that we see one son here. We know that we're going to see another one. He begins in verse 11. There was a man who had two sons, and we'll see the second son in just a little bit. But here we see this first son, and this is the son that gives the the typical name for the parable. This is the prodigal son. This is the son uh, who comes to his father and says, Dad, I want you to give me all of my inheritance. I I can't wait till you're dead to get all the stuff that's going to be mine. I need it now. Father, give me everything that's coming to me. And the father does. The father uh, divides the property. He gives to this son what would be his. This son takes off and leaves. He leaves the family behind. He leaves all these things, and he goes, and he lives it up. Um, I don't know if this is, I don't know if y'all still use this term, but it appears to me that this son was living the YOLO lifestyle. Y'all still use that? All right, some of you do, and some of you are laughing because you know that we don't still use that. Uh, But that's what he's doing. Listen, I'm just going to do whatever I want. However I want to live, each day, today is its day. He, was, he lived in a way that he was trying to please his senses. The wording that we see here, we'll see in a minute, shows us that. He was living just for himself and just for the moment. And that was for him and what many today would call the good life until the money ran out and the famine came. And all of a sudden things get so bad that he takes a job feeding the pigs, and even then he's so hungry that he would like to eat the food that the pigs are eating. And point one for this morning is very simple. Point one this morning is the son is sinful. This here, this son, this first son that we see, he's sinful. And and that's the point of these first several verses. That's what, what Jesus, I believe, is trying to get across in these first few verses, is he's trying to help us see the type of life that this son is living. And you can, we could go into all sorts of details uh, about the property that was given to him and about how he squandered and about the things he did. But I think the point of these introductory verses are just to help us see that he is describing a very sinful son, a very wayward son 
who has no regard for his father or for his family. I think that's one of the, the first major sin that probably stands out to us here is, is a young man who has no regard and no respect and no honor for his father, who has no care or respect or love for his family, who wants what is his and thinks only of himself and leaves, and then he goes, and then another sin that we see uh, is the sin of squandering. He squanders. He's a terrible steward of what he has. And sometimes we think of that. We think of, of not being a good steward and wasting money as a bad habit. But not only is it a bad habit, but it's a sin, brothers and sisters, when we, don't, when we aren't good stewards of the things that God has entrusted us with. And this brother does that. Look in verse 13. There's a word that specifically describes this. It says, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property. And that literally means he scattered or wasted it. All of this money, all of this inheritance that was entrusted to him, that this father had worked to make sure that he had for himself and for his family, the son takes it and he just wastes it. He just throws it away on a life of sin. But there is another word there in verse 13 that also helps us to understand what Jesus is trying to help us understand about this son. And in the ESV, it's the last phrase. It says, there he squandered his property in reckless living. Now that's translated different ways in a couple of different translations. Some that I saw this week, uh, wild living or loose living or riotous living. Or as the New King James Version would say, and in most of us, are familiar with prodigal living. He goes and he's living in a way where he's wasting his resources in a way that is not doing anything other than trying to please his senses. And so that's where we get the name of this parable. That's where we get what this son is doing. And so as you go through this and as you read this, you, you kind of get the feel that Jesus wants to understand that this son is sinful and in the way that I think most of us would refer to as, as really bad, right? Sometimes they're, they're, we, we know everybody's sinful, uh, but sometimes we like to say, well, some people are really bad and some people are just kind of bad. And this son is one that we would say is really bad. It seems like Jesus is really driving that point home, the way he talks to his father, the way he leaves his family, the way that he wastes all his resources, the things that he's doing in order to waste those resources are really sinful young man and you say man Jesus really seems to be driving that point home the sinfulness of this son but when we look at the context of why Jesus is teaching this parable I think it makes more sense look here still in chapter 15 but look back to verses 1 and 2 the beginning of this chapter as we see why Jesus is giving this parable in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 15 it says now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, speaking of Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And from then on, Jesus begins to give them a couple of parables to explain why he is the way that he is around these tax collectors and around these sinners and around the prostitutes and around the drunkards. Why Jesus relates to them the way that he does. And this parable, the parable of the prodigal son, is showing us, it's Jesus telling us how he relates to sinners. He's explaining to these religious elite people why he treats sinners the way that he does. He wants them to understand how he views sinners, which 
is really good news because when we stop and remember that this isn't just a story to be read, but this is a parable to be understood and applied, we start to remember that even though this is Father's Day, that in this story, none of us are the Father, that we are all the Son, right? God is the Father in this parable. He is the one that has done what He is the loving one. He is the gracious one. And we are all the rebellious one. Now, I know some of you think, look, I've never done some of the things that this son has done. No, but I would say he's probably never done some of the things that you've done either. He's never done some of the things that I've done. Brothers and sisters, we can't look at him and say, he's really bad. He is a lot worse than me. Jesus couldn't be referring to me with this young man and his style of life. But have we not, all of us, heard God's commands, seen his teachings, know what it was expected of us? And just simply disregarded them anyways? Have you not done that? Have you never known better than to do some sin, to commit some sin, to do something, and done it anyways? I think we see in our life rebellion against the Father. Here it's the, the earthly Father. For us, it's the heavenly Father. We know what God expects of us. We know what God has called us to do. But still, we disregard Him. We disregard. We don't think about our Father. We don't think about our family. We think about ourselves, and it leads us to sin way too often. And in the same way that this young man is, is pleasing his senses, he's feeding his senses, he's taking part, uh, he's is with people that are prostitutes. He's, the wording used here leads us to believe that he's, he's drinking and things of this nature. He's pleasing his senses. He's feeding the things that are essentially enjoyable to him. And we all do the same thing. For you, it may not be spending time with prostitutes. It may not be time out drinking. For you, it may be something else. It may be some other sort of pill or something that you put in your body. For you, it may be some website that you visit. Some TV show that you watch, even though you know you shouldn't be watching it. While you're watching it, you know that this is not good for you. This movie or the show, but you're watching it anyway. This book that you read, this conversation that you're having with somebody, while you're having it, while you're listening to them, you know this is not good for you, but you're doing it anyway. Why? Because it pleases your senses. It's enjoyable to you. Brothers and sisters, this is an important parable for all of us. Because this is Jesus telling us how God relates to rebellious sinners. And we all have been rebellious sinners. And I would dare to say that some of you are probably still there today. Some of you are here. I don't know if you're here just because it's Father's Day. I don't know if you're here just because you know that your father would want you to come on Father's Day. So you're here with him today. But you know that this is still you. You still on the weekends, you still, maybe last night we're doing something that you don't want us to talk about this morning. Maybe this past week, you have been places, you have said things, you have done things, you have hung out with people that you would not want to speak about to anybody here this morning. You're still living as this first son in the story. You're still living in rebellion to God. And so you, maybe more than anyone else, are listening intently this morning because you want to know what happens next. Well, what happens next after the son lives in the rebellion is he finds himself in the pigsty. And maybe you're not there yet, but I will say that if you continue living the life that you are, it's very likely that you find yourself there soon. That you find yourself at the place of being broken and hungry and scared 
and wanting, just as his son was. But what does he do next? Look back with me in the text. We'll pick back up in verse 17. It says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And I think this is a beautiful part of the story. I love this as I've been studying this this week. I love that that this son, so he goes and he does all the bad things. He does all the sinful things. He lives it up. He does all these things. And then when he finds himself in that place, wanting to eat the food that the pigs are eating, and he's broken, and he's hungry, and he's scared, and he doesn't know where to go, and all of a sudden he comes back to himself, He finally comes back to his right mind. Verse 17, when he came to himself, what does he think about? He thinks about his father. He thinks about the personality of his father. He thinks about the graciousness of his father, that his father is so good that he even treats his hired servants well. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than what they need. They have more than enough bread. This young man, when he comes to himself, he starts to realize what he has given up by leaving his father. And I think that's really important for us to see because if you're here this morning and you're in that place and you find yourself coming back to your right mind, I pray that the first place that you long for is to be with the Father, is to be with God Almighty be reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. That that's what you want. And you say, I'm going to go to him even though I don't deserve to go to him. I'm going to say, God, you shouldn't accept me. But would you accept me? And that's what the son says here. I'm going to go to him. I'm going to say, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. And I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. But there's still the question. We see what the son's going to do. But the question still lingers. How will the father react? How will the father react to this son? Even though the son's confessing, even though the son's repenting, even though the son is really, truly broken and desiring the father, right? When he left, things weren't very good, right? He, he disgraces the father. He disgraces the family, the family now. He takes what he has and wastes all this that the father has worked to build. He wastes all of it. How's the father going to react? Verse 20, we see. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Point two this morning. The father is patient and forgives. This father, we see a picture in some way of him seeming to be waiting or looking for the son, and he sees him, and in his patience, he sees him, and he doesn't go and and whip him. He doesn't go and beat him. He doesn't say you shouldn't be here. He doesn't say you don't belong here. He goes and he embraces him and he kisses him. And, and the son, he's got his spill already, right? He knows he's probably been rehearsing this and he gets there and so he says all the stuff. Dad, I'm not worthy to be your son. Treat me like one of your servants. And what does the dad do? He just disregards all of it. He doesn't listen to any of it. 
He doesn't say, yes, son, you're right. You can be one of my servants if you'll work hard. No, what does he say? He says, go get the best robe. Go get the ring. Put some shoes on his feet. Kill the fattened calf. We need to celebrate. This is my son. He was dead and he's now alive. He was lost and now he's found. And the father celebrates. And I want you to remember this morning that this isn't just a story to be told. This is Jesus telling us how he relates to rebellious sinners like you and like me. This is a picture, if you were saved this morning, this is a picture of your salvation. On the day that you, like Miranda just recently, on the day that you realize your need for salvation, and you realize the the treacherous nature of your sin against God, and you come to Him and you confess that, when you come to Him and you repent of that sin, and you come to Him and you ask for forgiveness, He doesn't say, no, you don't belong here. No, you've already wasted your chance. No, you go somewhere else. No, what's he do? He embraces you and he loves you and he kisses you and he celebrates you. Some of you here this morning, you're saying, but Brother Zach, you don't know what I've done. And that's okay. I don't have to know what you've done. But God knows what you've done. And you say, well, if he knows everything that I've done, then he knows that I don't deserve it. And that's true. You don't deserve any of it. But neither does this son and neither did I and neither did any of us. That's why it's the gospel. That's why it's good news. That's why we talk about God's grace. You don't get what you deserve. That's the beauty of the gospel. When you come to God, you say, this is what I deserve. I deserve to be separated from you forever. I deserve to be punished and tormented in hell forever. That's what I deserve. And he says, but that's not what I'm going to give you. Because of your faith in Jesus Christ, I forgive you of all your sins. They're gone. You are my son. You are my daughter. You were dead, but now you're alive. You were lost, and now you're found. And he embraces you, and he loves you. And this is why we sing God is a good, good father. This is why we celebrate who God is and what he does. That's why we call it the good news. Is that he sent Jesus, who lived a perfect life, to the cross to die in our place. To pay the price for our sins, all of our sins, every sin that you've committed. So that when you come to him, and when you repent, and when you profess faith in Jesus Christ, that he will accept you. He will not turn you away. But I do want us to see the second son this morning. Look back in verse 25. It says, Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you were always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And we see here again. Now, it's a different son. It's a different set of sins. But what I would say that we see here again, what I believe the point of this text is again, is that when this son comes up and when all of these things are dealt with, the father is still patient and the father still forgives. 
Right? Many of us feel compassion for this second son because we feel like we're this second son. Many of you have been in church a long time. Many of you have been the one that you feel like you've been trying to keep the law. You've been trying to be legalistic. You've been in church this many Sundays. And you see these, these people that have been on, addicted to all these things and all these places coming. And you don't believe that they deserve all that you deserve. But the reminder of the scriptures is that they deserve exactly what you deserve. And that's not to be part of the family. It doesn't matter that you have done well for a while. Brothers and sisters, you have sinned. This brother sins as well. This second brother, he sins. We see a couple of ways that he sins right here. The first one's clear. He doesn't love his brother. And does, the, does Jesus not say that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And a second and like it is to love your neighbor as yourself. If your brother's not your near one, if your brother's not your neighbor, I don't know who he is. And this guy doesn't love his brother. There's sin right there. We see he's jealous. We see he's angry. We see he's self-righteous. His sins are different. And in our eyes, they're not as bad. We say, well, it's not as bad to be self-righteous as it is to go hang out with prostitutes. It's not as bad to not love your brother as it is to go and get drunk and waste all of your money. But the truth is, brothers and sisters, sin is sin. And it doesn't matter if your sin is pride or self-righteousness or arrogance, legalism, or if it's going to the central nature, all the other things of the first son. Sin is sin. And brothers and sisters, if you have sinned, then you deserve the same punishment that every sinner that's ever lived deserves. And that's to be separated from God forever and ever and to feel the torment of God's wrath against your sin. And whether you're the first son or the second son or anywhere in between, when God forgives you, he has shown you grace and mercy that you don't deserve. Point three, the last point, the, the father is patient and forgives. Now, I know some of y'all are writing that down. You said, Brother Zach messed up. That was the second point. That is the second point, and it's the third point. Because it's the same for both brothers. He was patient with the first son, waiting and watching, going to him. He forgives him, embraces him, receives him. This son, the same way. He doesn't say, the father's not in the party, and they come and they say, Listen, your oldest son, he's outside and he's mad. He doesn't say, listen, you go tell him to straighten up and get his tail in here and quit being self-righteous. No, what does he do? He goes out to the son, and he entreats him. He begs him. He spends time with him. He explains to him. He explains to him why they should celebrate, why this son coming back should be celebrated. He explains it, and he tells him, listen, all that I have is yours. You're always with me. He's patient with both sons. He forgives both sons and brothers and sisters it doesn't matter who you are this morning if you're here and you think you're good or you're here and you don't think you're good there is mercy and grace and forgiveness if you will come confessing your sin confessing how undeserving you are and confessing faith professing faith in Jesus Christ giving your life over to him now I do want to end by saying that this is the perfect picture this is the perfect picture of a father and his sons. Because there is no son who will not one day dishonor his father. Every single one of us. Now, sons that are here, I should get an amen from that. Every one of us will dishonor our father at some point. But the beautiful picture here is a patient, loving, forgiving father. I'll say this to you. If you're here this morning and you have rebelled against your father and you have thought time and time again like this son about being in the pigsty, 
I'm talking of your earthly father here. And you've thought about going to your father and asking for his forgiveness. Let me be honest for just a moment. I can't tell you that this is the way that that's going to go. I can't tell you that you can roll up at your old home place and knock on the door and expect dad to come out and embrace you and kiss you and celebrate you. Why? Because I am a father, and I know that we don't always do the right thing. That's the right thing for a father to do. When a son comes and asks for forgiveness, that's the right thing for a father to do. But I'm a father, and I'm telling you guys, we don't always do the right thing. But I pray today that if you're here and you are a father, that you would accept this example of what a father should look like. That you would be patient with your children. That you would be merciful and gracious and forgiving of your children. When they come to you, when they seek you, when they profess that they need you, that you would embrace them and that you would love them. I'm not saying that there can't be discipline there. But I'm saying that there has to be love and mercy and grace. And sometimes we're a lot harder on the discipline than we are on those other things. If you're a father here this morning, I pray that you would accept this example. That you would strive to be this sort of father. But I'd also say that if you're here and you don't have this sort of father... You don't have this sort of earthly father. You can have this sort of father. He won't be earthly. It'll be your heavenly father. If you're here and you've never had a father that said, I love you, you have a father today who's waiting to say, I love you. He has sent his son to show how much he loved you. He has sent his son to pay the price for your sins so that you could be reconciled to him. He shows his love to you in that. He wants to show you that, that he would embrace you and that he wants you to be part of his family. Some of you have never felt that before. And God stands ready to let you feel that, to show you what that is like. I pray that if you're here today and you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but that you feel him calling you that, you, that you have felt the Holy Spirit, that you know that you're sinful, that you know that you're rebellious, and that the Lord has made clear to you that you have a need for him, that you would come and talk to me about that. Let me show you what that looks like. Let me help you see what the scriptures say faith and repentance look like. But also, if you're here this morning and you are a Christian, but you've been living in rebellion, you have gone off and you have squandered and you have wasted, I want you to know that the Father stands ready to accept you back. If you've never come to Him, He's ready. And if you've been with Him and left, He stands ready. He is patient and He is forgiving. This morning, I want to invite you to stand, and as we celebrate those facts, the fact that our Father is patient, and He is forgiving, and He is loving, ask Brother Shane if we could do things a little bit different this morning. For our invitation hymn, we're going to sing again part of Good, Good Father that we sang earlier. And if, the, if earlier, if you just sang it and you said, man, I like the song and I like the way it sounds, I pray that right now that you wouldn't sing it that way, that you would think of the picture of God as your father, that you would think about his forgiveness, that you would think about him embracing you when you turn from the pigsty that you used to be living in and running to him, that you would think about him celebrating over you, and from that joy you would sing, you are a good, good father. If you have questions, if you have something that you need to make public, come. Let me pray with you. Let me share with you. Let me answer questions that you have. But as Brother Shane and the praise team lead us in a hymn of invitation, you do what the Lord leads you to this morning.
please uh, be seated. We've got a few announcements. Always enjoy that parable. There's so many different angles you can preach at, and just uh, thank you, Brother Zach, for that. And um, if you have a, a father, earthly father, that's not here this morning, I pray that you uh, get in touch with him and tell him what he means to you. And uh, even though if your father's gone and going to be with the Lord in heaven, there might be another father figure that's uh, that's invested in your life. So I urge you to, to call them and tell them Happy Father's Day. Please be in prayer for Vacation Bible School this week. The kids, uh, that their lives will be touched through the gospel. And also on Thursday night when the parents come, uh, that, that may not be plugged into a church. I pray that we can reach them uh, through that also. Um, vacation Bible uh, School shirts are in. Uh, $10, uh, you can get them at the back this evening, um, or you can get them tomorrow. Um, also, with the Vacation Bible School is 8.30 in the morning to 12. Um, 